You're listening to I Have Some Notes, a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. Okay, Liam, here's my movie pitch. Uh, A former preacher goes through a crisis of faith during an alien invasion. That sounds great. And it stars Mel Gibson. I have some notes. Welcome, everyone, to I Have Some Notes. Notes, notes, we have got some notes. Reblocking scenes and punching up jokes. Cut this, don't cut that, can't you read our notes? I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver, and I'm impressed with that flourish. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are watching Signs, uh, hence my introduction. The 2002 <laughs> film by M. Night Shyamalan, Signs. Uh, but first, how how the heck are you, all you two fellows and our listeners? But they can't answer. I'm doing uh, pretty good. How about yourself, Liam? Uh, I'm well. Yeah, pretty pleased with that little intro there, Scott. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm I'm doing like pandemic okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. At the time of this I, recording, we we received some some very bad local news regarding the pandemic. So <laughs> I was kind of like on my way up, you know. I was like, "Hey, everything's yeah. getting better," and then our our you know our government shits its pants as it's wont mm-hmm. to do. Uh, so I, feel I like the. But I will say that over the last few weeks, I've been I've been feeling uh, more like I want to get myself back out into the world. And one of the ways I've been doing this is is by trying to. Uh, watch uh, more new movies than I had been previously. I don't know how you guys feel, but like during the pandemic, I've been really in this sort of safe and familiar uh, place where I just like I just don't I don't have the the capacity to watch something new. I've got to watch something that feels comforting. Yeah, with TV more than movies, but yeah, I feel that. For y- sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably more or less the same with me as well. I've been definitely like watching a lot of old series that have uh, uh, have brought me a lot of comfort. Um, but I'll tell you what is uh, not comforting. I, I watched uh, Extremely Wicked, Shockingly Evil, and Vile this week. Do you guys have you guys heard of this movie? That's the one with. Uh, it's about Jeffrey Dahmer. Uh, close. It's about Ted Bundy. Oh, Ted Bundy, right? Yeah, it's with it, with the with the kid from High School Musical. He's not kid anymore, but High School Musical guy, uh, Zach Efron. Yeah, yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so it, I, I had I'd only heard I've only heard people bandy about the title of this movie a few times. So I'd actually watched it sight unseen. So I did not know that it was a based on anything real, uh, b based on Ted Bundy, uh, it, and. <laughs> I, so I'm kind of like it was kind of like an interesting journey watching this watching this movie, um, just getting like the realization about who this is about. And like I started to clock that this was about a serial killer really quick. The movie makes it pretty obvious. Like the movie assumes that you know who they're talking about, and I'm just like, <laughs> uh, like I because I don't really know anything about Ted Bunny at all, um, yeah. other than like he he's a serial killer that's the only thing i knew so so you know assuming that this movie is fairly um a fairly faithful depiction of what actually happened like i learned all sorts of things about him like the fact that 
he uh, escaped from prison twice, which was wild. <laughs> like, the 70s were just, like, a different time. Not only were there, like, serial killers running around, but apparently it was really easy to, to get away from prison. So that was interesting. Um, it's it's a, it's a very good watch. Um you know, if you if you're if you can, it doesn't really go into the. Um, it's not very graphic for a movie that's about um, a serial killer, like and, and a particularly vicious one. Uh, they kind of leave a lot of that out of it. Um, I've actually I've heard that as a legit criticism of that particular movie, mm-hmm. um, in that it makes uh, it makes him seem very uh, very charming and sexy. In a way that some of the critics of the movie were like, that's probably not a good idea. <laughs> like, yeah, he I, was I, he was objectively a monster. He yes, he certainly was, and I I think um, I, I think there's to a certain extent extent that criticism is is warranted. I like the movie is generally about his relationship with Liz Kendall, who had like a long relationship with Ted Bundy, and 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 part of. Part of the purpose of the film is uh, is following Liz through her struggles um, with dealing with the fact that she had this long relationship with him, and the fact that like she was she couldn't quite escape him, and she was still uh, quasi in love with him uh, for a very long time. Um, you know, it it or I don't know if love is the right way to put it. She was, um, you know entranced by him i don't know yeah Yeah. Uh, but like i so i understand why the movie took that path right because it was all about it was all about sort of giving you the 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 information as to why he was he was who he was and why he was able to um hypnotize um people because he because he had that skill within him um but i think also the sort of towards the end you get you get a better sense of like you know, uh, the main character starts thinking about the things that he was actually doing and sort of like, sort of like a Rashomon where they just sort of like seeing them in a different light towards the end. So I don't know, it's uh, it's warranted, but I also understand what the movie was trying to get across. So yeah, yeah, that was, uh, that was a movie about 10 buddy that I watched. What have you guys been watching? (laughs) That's funny that you went in sight unseen, just like, (laughs) oh, this is like, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, exciting movie i mean i've watched some interesting stuff but i uh, mostly am excited i went and purchased a hard copy of psycho gorman oh uh, nice <laughs> uh, i happen to be in the the white ave neighborhood here in edmonton and there is a uh, uh independent movie uh shop and rental place called the lobby and i was like i won i hope they're still open i hope that's you know because that's kind of a yeah. boutique horror movie shop under a daycare is exactly the kind of thing that might not that survive, might survive yet yeah thriving he's he's th- he's hawking copies of uh psycho gorman out the door on the daily so nice. he's doing just <laughs> Good for um him. and i yeah and so i went and picked up psycho gorman he got the uh i happened to come in on the day where it, the the delivery had come and so he's like 30 bucks american version or uh the australian version for a little more um in fancier packaging and without some kind of blu-ray uh, region lock them. Like, yeah, give me the fancier one. Why not? So it I, does I not in any way. Psycho Gorman. It does not surprise me in any way that you went and purchased yourself a copy of Psycho Gorman. Yeah, that is. Haven't even seen it, but I'm sure I will like it. That is exactly the kind of movie you're going to like. Yeah. yeah. 
I, I have not seen it, but I have seen a YouTube video about it. And I'm like, yeah, that, yeah 100%. That is up Liam's alley. Was it Scaredy Cats? Was it that guy? It was. It was Scaredy Matt over at Scaredy I, Cats. Yeah, I stopped watching that video because I'm like, I got to watch this movie. I don't want to know anything about <laughs> don't it. Want I haven't to, watched it. I don't want to spoil trailer, anything else. Trailer stop. 20 seconds in. I'm like, you stop, stop digging. digging. You've hit You've gold. Hit yeah. gold. There you go. Yeah, you got it. Um, I've been. So last year. I was doing what you were doing, Greg. I was like spending most of my time not watching new stuff for the most part. And I turned that around this year and uh, I've been going out of my way to catch up on films that are classic films or older films that I probably should have seen and never got around to for whatever reason. So for I've, I've watched like 170 movies so far this year, which if you oh, count wow. the days is more than one per day. Uh, and that is a lot. That is me binging movies right now. And I've consumed a great deal of them, but nothing, nothing like they're new to me, but they're not generally new films for the most part. Cause it's, again, it's me catching up on, on the stuff, like a lot of Hitchcock stuff that I never got around sure, to watching, yeah. for example, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of like classic French films that are considered like, like great films that I never got around to seeing stuff like that. So yeah. It's been it's been a wonderful journey, and I've I've seen now a lot of films where I'm like I don't know why I didn't watch that earlier because it was amazing, um, but yeah, that's kind of been my film journey this year. Yeah, every once in a while I go on a binge of of movies that I classify as movies I should have seen by now and that I need to need to watch. Uh, like I, I did go like you, Scott. I went on a Hitchcock uh, a binge at one point. Um, yeah, he's not a, overrated. It turns out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I did a bunch of like 60s, 70s types films in a, in a row. I was like watching uh, Network and uh, um, uh, Taxi. What's sorry, the uh, what's the 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 guy the the one with the taxi? What was it called? Taxi, taxi driver? driver. Taxi driver. Why? Why? Can't, <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> I had I'll edit around that somehow. I well, let you linger. <laughs> I'm like, I think he means taxi driver, but I want to see if he gets there. Uh, I actually, just last week, I accidentally watched like a Robert Redford marathon because I watched three Robert Redford films in a row. And I was like, oh, yeah. uh, also young Robert Redford, some serious Brad Pitt vibes. And he is, uh, he is a heart throb. Wow. Getting down on some Robbie Red. Uh, but yeah, that's. That's been a lot of fun, actually. I've been I've been enjoying a lot of the films that I've watched. There've been a, there've been a couple in there which has been like meh, but for the most part, it's been uh, good. A lot of the classic films I've been finding have been on Canopy. Um, if you aren't subscribed, it's free with a library card. You get ten credits per month, and uh, they have a pretty robust collection of a lot of really good world and classic cinema and some new stuff too. It's just it's a free streaming service if you have a library card. So check it out free plug for them they're not giving us money uh <laughs> it's just i think it's a good service and uh and it deserves your attention. big library <laughs> i got i got one more recommendation before uh, liam sets up signs uh, uh if you have crave uh watch uh lucky grandma uh do it sight unseen a uh, great film uh lots of fun and uh and kind of weirdly cute in a way nice i like a, i like a sight unseen movie even when it's about serial killers um, uh, for the yeah. record, uh, what's that? What's that movie that in our top of the decade you really liked, Liam? I've put myself on the spot now. I can't remember it off the top of my head. The oh, strangler the, the, one, my number one. The, the strangler one. Strangler. The greasy, greasy strangler, strangler is yes, on the canopy. Strangler. 
It is on Canopy. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I recommend it uh, as an individual, but not as a host of. Um, I have some notes for legal purposes. He for, cannot for the, the credibility of this podcast. I cannot on air recommend the Crazy Strangler. It is only a personal recommendation. Um, neither can I recommend science. No. Okay. Oh uh, no. Oh, same way. <laughs> Getting way too way ahead of ourselves. Uh, yeah, we watched uh, the 2002 film Signs, uh, of course, directed by M Night Shyamalan. Written by M. Night Shyamalan, uh, starring Mel Gibson, Joaquin Phoenix, Rory Culkin, Abigail Breslin, uh, Cherry Jones, and Mr. M. Night Shyamalan himself. Uh, let's go to the trailer. Amon, Nairobi, Bangalore, and Jerusalem as the Same shows on every station. Every station? It is the 18th reported crop site in that country in the last 72 hours. I'm a little scared. All this stuff on TV. Joe Gills was in here talking about the end of the world. They're staying in the shadows. It's called probing to make sure things are all clear. Clear for what? For the rest of them. There's a monster outside my room. Can I have a glass of water? Former preacher Graham Hess discovers a series of crop circles stamped out in his cornfields. At first, he suspects mischievous neighbors, but a series of bizarre incidents and creepy encounters leaves Graham questioning who or what left the markings. When flying saucers appear over Mexico, that pretty much cinches it. With a cool alien invasion happening entirely off-screen, Graham must now regain his faith in order to fight off an extraterrestrial home invasion and save his family. (laughs) Now, now, for the listeners that, that we we are uh, currently for the very first time it, during the pan- pandemic actually um, doing a video chat while we're recording. <laughs> so I have not ever seen uh, Scott record the pit or the uh, the movie summary before, but I am delighted <laughs> to watch him do it because he's got some excellent eyebrow movements while <laughs> he's doing his delivery. It was it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone was uh, preventing us from doing that, and that person, that jerk, that absolute <laughs> tool, finally got a webcam. It was me. <laughs> <laughs> Difficult to find a webcam in 2021. I yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think by <laughs> how much we've talked about other things, uh, how excited. No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't project that. Um, this this was my first time with signs. How about uh, the two of you? Also, my first time. Um, I. I watched Sixth Sense, mm-hmm. and then I didn't really watch anything else by M. Night Shyamalan because I heard that it was mostly bad. And I'm like, I don't really have a desire to go go and see any of the bad ones. Um, so I had missed out on Signs. Uh, this was my first time, and I mean, it was watchable. I don't think I don't think it's as bad as a lot of people led me to believe it was. I wouldn't say mm-hmm. that it's necessarily good, but I don't think it's I don't think it's awful. I I think this is the first time I've seen it since seeing it in the theater, um, and I I do remember quite enjoying it in um, in the theater. And <laughs> the thing to to know about me is that I don't I don't think about movies too heavily while I'm watching them. It's why I can watch dumb procedural shows like castle or something like that and be entertained by the mystery even though it's like like a very paint by numbers mystery i'm like oh mystery and i think about it two seconds afterwards like that that was pretty dumb uh (laughs) and (laughs) so like a lot of the things a lot of the key things that people complain about this movie 
I did not think about it at all while I was watching it. I was just, you know, generally entertained by, uh, you know, it's an alien invasion movie, which is already like you're halfway there with me with alien invasion. Um, and then there are some, uh, there are some pretty, uh, good performances, uh, in the movie. I'll hedge my bets on that because if we are talking about Mel Gibson, <laughs> like, you know, walking Phoenix is good. The, the, the kids are pretty good. And yeah, I don't know. I just, it was, it was a, it was a decent watch the first time around. What I noticed this time around is that um, I don't know if it, it's it's probably not on purpose, but did you guys get kind of like <laughs> an almost normcore vibe with the dialogue? Like normcore? it's so <laughs> it's so uh, s- stilted and uh, uh, deliberate, uh, especially with the kids. Like it's it's almost it's almost as if. They were uh, they were right out of a Duplass movie or something like that. Yeah, it was it was squeaky clean. I like the idea, like calling it normcore. Like it's <laughs> it just it wasn't even like that sort of heightened Americana that you sometimes see, especially in movies that came out after two thousand one. Uh, nor was it like a, a sort of um, pastiche, like a like a Tim Burtony like make fun of suburbia pastiche. It mm-hmm. was just like here's some real earnest. People like it was that actually I weirdly found that endearing. Like it was all very believable and grounded early on. Um so yeah, I think I think you're right. I don't know if it was a problem for me, but I think you're right. It's hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna kind of loop back to what Greg said about the movie is is well acted. I don't think there's a bad performance in it. Say what you will about the actors. I don't think anybody's mm-hmm. phoning it in. And yeah, the the problem is not their performances. Uh the problem really is the dialogue it's not it's not a super well written movie there are some standout scenes for sure there's some there's some good lines here and there but for the most part it's like the dialogue is kind of dull mm-hmm. and yeah. the story is kind of dull and the movie is very long um before we started <laughs> recording greg and i actually uh brought this up and and i want to I'm afraid we're, I might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit because I think somebody made a comment about this as well. Um, this premise would have been great for a short film, like 16 minute long short film. You get the whole story out. It's nice and tight. It doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Boom. And I mean, don't be proud. M night bang out an awesome 16 minute movie. I'll watch it and I'll probably really like it. Um, but the movie feels super long and there's a lot of dead space in it. And it just is boring and it's so the pace is plotting there there's there's one scene where they linger on on mel gibson's face that i actually thought it was contemplative and thoughtful but any other time there's there's scenes where like the camera will turn 90 degrees on a dolly and it will take its slow ass time moving that 90 degrees (laughs) that it's like what like and i'm watching i'm like what purpose is this solving like it's not tension because you're not moving from one dramatic thing to another you're moving from one actor to another for a movie about an alien invasion and the possible end of the world there is no urgency in this film there is no sense of urgency urgency. no like even at the climax when someone's life is literally hanging in the balance it's languid it takes its time it slowly looks around the room it takes long (laughs) moments to to focus in on mel gibson thinking about his past like there's there's no urgency whatsoever (laughs) (laughs) i I'm gonna have to disagree on the on the pace a little bit. I kind of enjoyed the pace of it, and and maybe it's just because uh, contemporary blockbuster movies 
have uh, have ruined me on <laughs> uh, on pacing because everything happens so quickly. Uh, when I was watching this one, I, I just felt like I was leaning into like a nice, comfortable, uh, you know, watch where I, you know, I, I could, <laughs> I didn't have to worry about keeping up with the movie because there was no chance that I wasn't going to keep up with it. It was taking, it was taking its time and that let me I, take my time. Yeah. I guess like put me down for split the difference. I didn't find the story was like, plotting or slow i found like this this the filmmaking techniques incredibly slow and boring to watch but the story moved along not f- fast but like watchably yeah that said the, the movie is quite beautiful to look at there's a lot of really mm-hmm. good shot composition m night is say what you will about him as a writer he's a good director he's got a good vision uh he can tell a great visual story and he has an eye for setting up a good scene and i i don't want to discredit him on that um mm-hmm. i just think he's maybe not not a really great writer <laughs> to to the end of uh, not not a great writer how, how do you all feel that this theme ex- or so this movie explored the themes it set out to explore well i guess the uh, the the uh, mel gibson's arc is uh fairly I guess that's fairly simple. Um, I I kind of I kind of enjoyed the journey uh, of his arc, um, but there isn't there isn't uh, there isn't a whole lot of complexity to it. He's a you know he's a preacher that's that's lost his lost his faith. He's um, decided that um, he doesn't want God in his life at all, um, and he feels like he's been left behind because there's no purpose to anything. Uh, and the, the crux of it is that, you know, all these, all these signs, not just obviously the, the, the signs in his field, uh, but all the signs around him end up, you know, coalescing in a purpose in the end and, and thus regaining his faith. Um, so it's, it's, it's relatively simple. I think it kind of works for me, but it, like if, if the details of that were explored a little bit more, like for example, his relationship with his son um, isn't explored enough uh, and doesn't really dovetail into the into that theme particularly well because mm-hmm. the the movie waits way too long to get the son's feelings about his father involved. It almost ha- it happens in the third act, if I'm not mistaken, right? Like right at the yeah. beginning of the third act where they're sitting down to dinner and, and suddenly boom, I, I hate you dad <laughs> at the dinner table. And like, it like it doesn't completely come out, out of nowhere, but it's enough of a shock that, yeah, like he, like it doesn't, <laughs> it feels a little bit unearned. Mel Gibson is playing the only character in this movie. Um, because he's, no, I'm, I'm not joking because, uh, Graham is the only person who has a character arc in this movie. Everyone else is just there in service of him. Even if they, uh, a few of them do have their own scenes. It's like all of like Merrill goes to join the army. What, what does that amount to? Literally nothing. It's forgotten in the second act. Uh, you just mentioned how his son's uh, depths of feeling about uh, losing his mom and whatnot doesn't even come up until the third act when it's relevant to Graham. Yeah. Everything that his family does 
is all in service to him. Everything that all of the other uh, side characters do is all in service to him. He's the His is the only story going on, and everyone else is just there as a part of it. Yeah, even even the little girl, like they set up that she, you know, tastes water funny and has visions. And she only tastes water funny so that there's water kicking around the house. And the visions and things don't really don't amount come to anything. back. Yeah. Don't amount to anything. So yeah, I, I was I was like mostly on board with this movie, but there this this the scene that like stuck in my craw was the scene where he's sitting on the couch with his brother and it's like the the the, the thesis of the movie. Where he's, they're whispering because they've each got a sleeping kid in his hand, their hands, and they, the aliens are definitely here, and they're definitely probably not going to be. It's, it's just the point where all the aliens are definitely here, and they have this whispered conversation, and it's it, it's. I recommend you guys and people go look it up on YouTube because it doesn't make. A, I was about to say it doesn't make a lick of sense, and that's not that's not fair. This movie is trying to comment on the nature of like the random chaos of the the universe versus predestination whether that's divine or just like destiny right like things being meant to be things happening for a reason and seeing the signs that things are happening for a reason and there's definitely a place for that uh uh to be discussed that's the whole point of history a movie is a good place to do it i like that this movie tries but i i reject the way it frames faith and it's something that, like, after COVID really sticks in my craw. I reject the binary that he lays out on the couch while he's talking to Meryl. <laughs> yes. That, like, hope. He goes, like, people who have faith, people who think someone's with them, uh, is, is with them, are, are going to have hope. And people who think that they are alone in the universe, that there isn't someone up there looking out for them. When something lucky happens, lucky being, like could be good could be bad luck like like an alien invasion it could go either way that because they look at the world as like a 50 50 that they're full of fear whereas if you believe that someone's looking out for you it's always gonna err in the side of optimistic and and hopeful and the the part i have a problem with is i i don't like the idea that people of faith get to monopolize hope (laughs) hope and faith are two different things hope is a hope is in degrees you can have amounts of hope you can have types of hope, and you can operate hopefully within pragmatic nihilism, but faith is like a binary. Faith is a like you do or you don't have it. You believe or you don't believe, and I, I reject the idea that people who don't have faith also don't have hope. <laughs> I am incredibly nihilistic and pessimistic about the future based on COVID, based on climate change, based on rising fascism. That doesn't mean I'm not hopeful. Yeah. Or right? the or the idea that like um, people with faith don't have a lot of fear, you know, like that kind of yeah. cuts the other way as well. It's it. I think you're, I think that's a, a very succinct way of of, of summarizing the uh, the problem with the uh, that that particular scene and and how it dovetails into the rest of the themes of the movie. But like, yeah. I, I, you're a hundred percent right that like that that scene, while I think well acted, the how it how it cuts things together with the two, as you said, the two binaries doesn't really, it, 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 it's, it fires off that thing in your brain where like, well, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, it, it doesn't. And it doesn't jive with, with the rest of the movie. Cause like, if you think about the thing that restores his faith, right. Is the fact that his, his child doesn't die. He was, he was, had his lungs closed because of the asthma and because his lungs were closed, you can get poisoned by the alien. And like, 
to me that that's that's not a miracle that's actually an argument in the luck camp that everything <laughs> is just a lucky it could go either way well on one hand, the kids very the- well, hang on the one kid that's very lucky that that happened but also how many people on earth held their kids who did get poisoned like they say millions of people died so like where's their miracles like it's- the second you zoom off mel gibson the the there's no the miracles out, are outweighed by the tragedies. Like, but it, it is a movie about him, and yeah. uh, he chooses to interpret it as an act of God. So, yes, well, and, at and least one could make yeah. the argument that that's the case. The movie the movie doesn't explicitly say God reached down a hand and gave him a high five. The oh, movie. Yeah really does frame it as that's his interpretation of what happened. You got to go looking for the signs. You got to find those yep. meanings where they, they pop up. Um, yeah, I, I just, I mean, that is, that is kind of faith in a nutshell. He's like, he's got a, he's been, his faith has been restored. Not that, not because of what has happened to other people, but because he believes that um, someone was looking out for him when he needed it most. Right. Um, maybe this is too philosophical, but like, like faith is kind of a very personal thing, and like, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily jive with logic, you know, like the logic of like, well, what about everybody's everybody else's kids? Like, it, it's so it's a much more it's a much more personal thing, and like, yeah, I don't know that um, that's necessarily the point of of his journey. It's also kind yeah. of outside of the scope of the movie because I made a remark about how the awesome alien invasion is happening off screen. Because it's not in the scope of this movie, um, the, the and so the fact that the fact that thousands of people were killed by aliens is not taken into account by the the thesis of this film because it's immaterial. It doesn't matter. It's an off offhanded comment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the remarkable. Th- it's it's War of the Worlds to tell a loss of faith story. Right? Yes, and like and I, I get that. I and again, I'm not. I'm not trying to argue against the thesis of the movie. I just took issue with its. Framing. Oh no, for sure. You and you made a solid I, argument for yeah. it. Uh, I I a hundred percent. I truly you. believe you can operate believing that the world is chaos and entropy and nothing actually matters, and that is how you forge meaning by making things matter to you. And no one is looking out for you on a cosmic scale. The the universe doesn't give a shit. But uh, I give a shit about you guys. I give a shit about my friends, my family, listener. Like that's yeah. that's that's who's looking out for you. And my I guess my note for this movie would be I would like to see him learning the value of providing comfort and aid and be. But I would like to see him look out for people more and learn that that is God in action when we look out for each other. Um, and there's a little bit of that in the that he holds his kid while he's breathing and it's like, it is a family story. I'm not going to go to insofar as to be like, he needs to go out in the town and perform mutual aid <laughs> to show that he loves his fellow man. He can tell that story within his family, but I just, I would have liked to have seen those themes of like, we look out for each other, not random chance, ascribe it meaning and call that something looking out for you. Like look out for each other. Uh, you know, it's funny. I was like, as you're describing it, I think, I think you're describing the philosophy uh, on faith that Futurama has. Do you remember the episode with where Bender meets God? Mm. Uh, it's well, or maybe. or maybe uh, actually encountered a satellite that crashed into God. Per- perhaps, but <laughs> it, it's it's sort of the, it's sort of the same thing where where Bender Bender learns that he has to 
you know, he has to make his own luck. He's got, he like, you can't, he says, he says at the end of the episode that you can't count on God for anything, uh, you know, and, and that you have to, you have to do things yourself, um, which is similar to what you're saying. And like, and, and, you know, God himself is, is up, is up in the stars saying like, if you, you know, if, if you don't, if, what did he, how did he put it? Yeah. like if you do things, if you do thing. things, if you do things right, people won't won't be sure you did anything at all. Like he's yeah. sort of like the one who imparted that message on Bender that he needs to help help people on his own. Yeah. So yeah, very very. <laughs> that's a bit of a, a little bit of a tangent, a long walk. So I appreciate you coming along with me on that. But yeah. <laughs> well, even I mean, a good chunk of the teachings of Jesus teach that. It's just all tied down with dogmatic nonsense about meat on a Friday and shit. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, um, I, I think like I, the, one of the reasons that I have trouble connecting with this movie completely is just is is essentially because it is about a preacher, and I. I would not characterize my relationship with like organized religion, uh, religion as sort of like a healthy relationship just because, um, you know, when I was, when I was a kid, like, like some of my, my friends went to, um, a fairly evangelical church and I, you know, met, um, adults who were more than willing to scare the crap out of kids with stories of the end of the world um and you know the the the, in the coming of the rapture and all these kinds of things um you know just because they thought that you know that's what they needed to do to i don't know i think it was more selfish on their part to be honest with you but like that stuff traumatized me so like when i when i see when i when i when i watch movies that are about that that are taking um the uh like uh the side of religion a little bit more. It's hard for me to really connect in a big way with it. Yeah. Plus the crusades. (laughs) (laughs) Should we uh, maybe take a break and then try to, try to fix the flaws we see in this film? Yeah, yeah, because sure. there's also plenty to talk about from a just storytelling structural standpoint as well as a <laughs> philosophical one. Um, but I mean, at the, at the end of the day, kudos for M Night for trying. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk about the the nuts and bolts of this movie when we come back. With Pod Power, our sponsors are making it possible for us to amplify the voices of Albertans and Alberta podcasters. This episode, the Edmonton Community Foundation is helping us give a Pod Power shout out to Your Forest, a podcast about the natural world. Hear stories about the environment, renewable resources, conservation, forestry, hunting, fishing, and more. This is a podcast for those who cannot live without the joys and wonders of all wild things. Find Your Forest wherever you get podcasts or at yourforestpodcast.com. That's Your Forest Podcast. Podcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Taproot Edmonton, which publishes curiosity-driven stories, topical newsletters, and locally focused podcasts, all in the service of informing Edmontonians about their community. Want to start your day informed? Check out The Pulse, Taproot's new daily news briefing. The Pulse tells you what you need to know about Edmonton every weekday morning. You'll get short, informative updates about what's happening at City Hall, plus coverage of business, tech, food, the arts, and more. You'll get a little bit of whimsy from features such as A Moment in History, Chart of the Week, and the Friday Podcast Pick. And it's free! Sign up today at taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. That's taprootedmonton.ca slash pulse. 
Welcome back to I Have Some Notes. We're discussing signs. Uh, what do you guys have for fixes for this movie? I think it needs to be more exciting. Um, <laughs> I But here's the thing. I think you need to bring the alien invasion a little closer to the actual movie. And I'm not, I'm not saying that you need to go like Independence Day or something and have uh, the Hesses be uh, like central to the invasion or to fighting it off. But uh, the movie starts with them finding one of these crop circles in their cornfield. And I feel like there should have been a U- an actual UFO in the climax should have been like hovering over their field or over their farm. And they should have had to deal with it. Something like I'm, I'm, What's coming to mind is the is the third act of 10 Cloverfield Lane for me with like a bunch of people in a rundown farm running around with like aliens trying to deal with them. I think you could have still explored the same themes and come to a similar climax where things kind of come together in in a like a foretold way, I guess, uh to to have Mel Gibson find his faith again. But at the same time, I feel like there needed to be something more exciting than a crippled alien uh, invades their home for reasons. Um, <laughs> I feel I feel there could have been a, there could have been a bigger punch in the third act, which would have made the slow build a little more have more payoff. Like we finally get to see an alien spaceship, like the characters get to see one, and we and there's like a couple aliens running around. That would have been that would have been bigger. It would have been more exciting. And it would have brought them more into the events that are going on. And again, they don't them beating one spaceship or scaring it away, because uh, like realistically, they're not going to shoot it down. They're probably just going to scare off the aliens when one of them gets burned by water. Um, yeah. You don't you don't need to make it central to like they just saved humanity. It could be ancillary to that, but I think they need to to face the catastrophe head on, and that to me would have made for a much more exciting movie. Agreed. Yeah, I, I think there, I think there's a, like a throwaway line somewhere in there that um, the aliens are there because they, they discuss like, Oh, quite a bit. Like what, why are they here? Um, you know, they talk about, they're reading through that, that book on aliens that the kid picks up at the bookstore. And uh, they mention that, you know, one of the reasons that they're, they come is that they've used up the resources of their own home planet and they're here to take our resources. And then a little later, it, it's they, they sort of talk about the idea that um, they're actually, the aliens are actually here for them uh, specifically, like the humans specifically. So they're actually har- harvesting humans but it's, it's a very quick line yeah. and i think if that was more explicit if that became a bit more of a, of a revelation then the whole climax um may actually make a little bit more a sense and the stakes might be clearer um because uh, then you have an idea like oh the, the aliens are actually here to poison and basically steal their bodies which is you know so that's a that's a horrifying concept so if, if that's made a little bit more explicit i think uh, i don't know if we necessarily need to see um uh, a ufo um but um but certainly i would i would have appreciated a little bit a, a slightly better understanding of like what the alien's goal was uh, mm-hmm. just so that uh, it raised the stakes in the in the climax yeah, I think we hit the nail on the head in the beginning saying, like, it's not really about the alien invasion. <clears throat> yeah. Like, it's about his crisis of faith. 
Uh, and, and that's why it's maybe fine that there's not Independence Day style, like, skullduggery. Um, but, yeah, it could have it could have been a little, a little picked up a bit. I, I forgot where I was going with this shit. Well, it's, um, it's another example of stuff that's not dovetailing into the main plot. Like, there's an that, alien invasion was- going on, but it's not... It doesn't. It doesn't come to their doorstep and become part of his story in a in a very significant way. Other like the the story could have been served by an actual home invader. Like some dude could have broken in, and it still could have done the same thing. But yeah. if you're going to have aliens, make it big. Yeah, the, the the choice of the aliens, you have to question of whether it's a good one or not, um, because I think. Like the the exploration of, of faith is a, is a perfectly fine theme in the in the way that it's that they've gone about doing it like 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 you say Scott like it's it's <laughs> the his Mel Gibson's journey is like it's completely almost completely independent of the uh, of the aliens except for um, the things that have to come together at the end but you, like you say that could have been easily the same sort of story so it I almost I almost kind of think that like the the like the alien invaders almost distract from the theme too much because yeah, I'm be down for less of them. Yeah. Because like for me, like when it, when it comes and, and I'm just such a sci-fi dork that like the really fun part of an alien invasion movie for me is like that slow burn, that slow revelation that the aliens have arrived. And, and that, and I love seeing those. I love seeing the news clips of you know newscasters reacting to what's happening, and like you know the you know the the president comes on the TV and like now you know it's serious. Like the president, oh, is Morgan Freeman is on the TV. Yeah, yeah, he's he's acknowledging that there's aliens. Like this is crazy and huge. Uh, you know, I I I I sort of live for those moments in alien invasions movies, and I found myself kind of wanting that in this because the hook of the movie is the crop fields. Right. It's hooking you in with like, you know, what what do those signs mean and stuff like that? Um, But it almost does sort of like a bait and chip switch and be like, nope, actually about faith or whatever. Like it's like it it, kind of tricked me (laughs) a little bit. And I mean, it's an M. Night Shyamalan twist. Yeah. Yeah. The twist was the signs were meaningless. Here's the thing. (laughs) It feels like M. Night started writing an alien invasion movie and then hit upon this theme of faith with his main character and then zeroed in on that and kind of lost most of the alien invasion movie in the, because he found a story he was more interested in telling and the rest of it do, kind do of or, just got trimmed down a lot. Do you think, or, I, cause I seem like, it seems like he went, what if we use beat for beat war of the worlds to tell a crisis of faith story? Hmm, kind of. Um, and probably started back, you know, we're, you know, we'll do, we'll do row the worlds and work backwards from there. Um, it's sort of the impression I got. Um, which is why I'm okay that the, the the aliens are a little bit in the background, and uh, even why I'm uh, uh, I keep losing my train of thought. God damn it! I just like I, I guess that for oh that, that's what it was. Um, the 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 signs, the the like the bait and switch that Greg was saying is what I was gonna say. Uh, I mean, we've been okay with that bait and switch. Where like the sign, it's not about signs, the crop circles. It's about signs. The thing. My note is, if you're gonna crux this whole thing on him seeing signs and things being relevant. I just would have picked ones that were much more inspirational and meaningful and emotional and less coincidental. Because, like, essentially what, you know, the, the, the phrase, like, it was meant to be, like his wife says it was meant to be when she's pinned against the truck. M. Night Shyamalan says it when he talks about how he fell asleep and hit his wife. So the, the this movie is telling us his wife's death was meant to be 
look for signs around that that it had meaning. And as far as I can tell, that that those final words of Meryl's swing big, the signs that he, you know what his wife dying was meant to be so that Meryl would know to beat a home invader with a bat he owns. <laughs> like if they're if it's all going to culminate in all of these quote unquote signs they should have been better. <laughs> um, I, I think, um, I, I mean, maybe... And by you... better, I mean, like, more interesting, more clever, more, like... I will, yeah. I will or, go... Or just maybe else, like, slightly more thematically yeah. relevant. Like, if he... If, 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 um, if his wife dying produces this kind of sense in him that he doesn't know what to do with his grief and like his his religion tells him uh, to find purpose in her her death mm-hmm. and his whole thing is like well her death was her death was meaningless she got hit by a drunk driver by accident and then and you know then that dovetails into his speech about how you know some random neurons in her head were firing yeah. off and she just blurted out a, a bunch of stuff. It's all pointless. Um, yeah. And and if we, if we take that and, and um, we move that into the, the kids a little bit, like if he, uh, because he can't find his way with his grief from his wife, he has a real tough time finding his way with um, parenting his kids. And like that, that would make all that stuff stronger. Like if he was really frustrated with his daughter leaving water around all the time, like you see him one scene, he picks up water and that's like pretty much it. Like he doesn't really have a problem with it. He just kind of deals with it. Um, but if it was a point of conflict, that would actually um, work a lot better. And, and of course that we would need more with the son as well, where uh, his, he's in his, his son um, really blames him for, uh, for his mom's death for for almost no reason. So you get more conflict there, and because he's not worked through his own grief, he still can't he work through these conflicts with his kids. He needs to have a conflict with his brother too, then, and that kind <laughs> sure, of yeah. do, that kind of feeds into what what my next big suggestion would be, which is that the kids and the brother in particular need to be more fleshed out. They need to have character arcs. They need to have stories that are going on as well. And I think that they could feed into the overall story as well if if they're having experiences that feed into that final climactic moment where everything kind of comes together. Um, And I think that that could service the story as well. And it could tie in a little bit to, uh, to Liam's kind of uh, suggestion that like God is community in a way like God is, is people looking out for one another and coming together in a critical moment to support one another. And that's what happens with this family in this critical moment where there's aliens at the door and they come together and everything clicks in that moment for the first time in since the wife died. And, and in that moment he rediscovers like, Oh, maybe God is working through us. Like not necessarily through random coincidences, but through us. Right. Yeah, I th- I think I I think I like that a lot. I, I think overall, like uh, tackling this movie from uh, its more philosophical elements rather than um, some of the more um, plot heavy technical issues that a lot of people seem to have with it. Like I like mm-hmm. I don't 
like those kinds of things like i like the the what i'm realizing in my old age is like it, it like it, it, you know as i get I get become maybe a more quote unquote sophisticated movie critic is like i like i under, like I understand that like a lot of things are done just for like movie reasons and like mm-hmm. and like don't get yourself all wrapped up in in plot holes cuz they don't matter yeah. like yeah lots of things in movies uh don't make logical sense people in movies behave in strange ways that don't make sense. That's fine. It, like it, it, you know, it, sometimes it might strain your credulity a bit, uh, credulity a little bit. But that, you know, um, as long as it doesn't too, do it too much. What really matters is, you know, the human story that it, you're mm-hmm. trying to tell. Yeah. And, sometimes, like, and, that's, and I think that's the case here with signs. Like, don't get too wrapped up in like the logic of the aliens. I don't think it's like the the real problems with the movie are elsewhere. Yeah. If uh, if that idiot in the horror movie didn't go down into the basement without a flashlight, the story would end. And that's why he did it. <laughs> like, and that's, and I think the best example of this in, in the movie signs is it would be pedantic to say they should have brought the baseball bat down to the basement in the first place. That's horror movie pedantic, not helpful. Yeah. Um, but to say he, the, the sign that they needed to look for was to use the baseball bat to fight the home invader. That's poking holes in the philosophy of the movie, which is much <laughs> like, yeah. And yeah. I remember what I was going to say earlier, just to back it up a little bit in regards to that, that community care and creating God in, in by working through ourselves there, they even, I thought they were setting that up and it's another thing, just like the army, just like the, um, all the things that get dropped for no reason. Uh, the number of people who come to him, looking for emotional support like the the woman in the pharmacy and then his brother and even the cop at one point oh, and the drunk and the him. drunk driver who killed his wife too in a way right the drunk driver who killed his wife wanted some closure and some, so like people keep coming to him for comfort and i'm like oh this is where he needs to learn he he gotta he's gotta give it back and it's it's other than him putting on the little white collar at the end of the movie like i'm back to being a pastor now <laughs> it doesn't really it's not about that man so yeah he doesn't have um yeah, he doesn't have a have a moment where um, he kind of reconciles things with his son necessarily. Yeah, his uh, role in it. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it. You know, he, you know, his his son lives, but they they don't they don't have a they don't have a moment where you get to the son like the son doesn't even really see that his faith has been restored. Like we don't get that part of the the story. Yeah, um, we see it as the audience, but like. It's 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 both Merrill and his son that care about what had happened to him after his wife's death. Um, So that's that's the more that's the more important uh, relationship to to focus on uh, at the end of the movie instead of just seeing him. Yeah, like you say, put on his collar and be like, "Eh, everything's okay. But I guess maybe the runtime was too long at that point. <laughs> get, yeah, get it I over. I feel like they could have cut some of those long panning camera shots down and squeezed uh, yeah. them more. I, you um, know what? You you mentioned those those long shots, and um, you know uh, we also talked about how M Night Shyamalan is a, is a very visual director. And there's one there's one shot that's sort of like it's dull and also kind of brilliant at the same time it's when the aliens they're upstairs and the aliens are uh approaching the house and the dog is outside and the dog is barking presumably at the aliens right um and this is all happening in one shot so they're just staring 
at the wall while uh, the dog is barking. And M. Night moves the camera in very, very slowly as the dog begins to whimper. And then, of course, he gets uh, gets killed. And at the very moment when the dog is is killed and he goes silent, you're actually looking at nothing. It just zooms in right into a blank wall. And I thought like, like it's, it, it's kind of a, it's kind of a weird shot, but it also works because it's so, it works so well with what's happening in the audio. And I kind of liked it a lot. Yeah. There, there were a couple of long shots. That one was interesting. And there's one where it like hung on his face where I was like, like right on Mel Gibson's face where I was chewing on some of the ideas the movie was putting out. And I'm like, oh, they're lingering on his face because we're supposed to be thinking what he's thinking. But that one time, I was like, this long shot works. All the other ones were arduous. But there's a couple <laughs> of them. Like, it's a stylistic choice. Um, speaking of some of the technical uh, um, nitpicks with this movie, why don't we go to listener comments? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that they aren't uh, valid and welcome. We thank all of you who contribute whenever we solicit our listener comments on the social medias be it facebook instagram twitter we don't have instagram facebook and twitter at i have some notes we'll uh, we'll get into it sally paulson says remake it with some less repulsive leads that's that's fair is i mean i i get mel gibson i get it i get it is joaquin phoenix problematic am i missing something on that <laughs> if, if i'd been quicker i would be like what is wrong with abigail breslin sally <laughs> yeah <laughs> She is a treasure in this. She's cute as a button. I mean, I just, I just have to assume that there's probably something Joaquin Phoenix has done. I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, it, it seems, it seems like, it seems like all the dominoes are falling. So who knows? Well, wasn't there a whole thing like when he, him and Casey Affleck made that "I'm Still Here" movie? There was some weird business with Casey mm. Affleck that he was probably tangentially well, related. Oh, maybe, to. yeah. Yeah, I don't think Casey Affleck's a piece of garbage, so... Yeah, could be. That was a weird movie that I, I, I'm still here. The tragedy is that I, I would argue the movie is well-acted, but I agree it's... Mel Gibson is problematic. He was problematic at the time he was cast in this movie. It was a choice, and maybe not the right one, but... Yeah, Art is that whole separate the art and the artist thing, because I remember Apocalypto being really good, but I'm not going to go find out. <laughs> Uh, Andrew Craig says, I really like Signs. It's a great movie about Faith, but it's far too tidy. Everything comes together too well, and Faith is always going to be a little messy. That said, The Village and Lady in the Water and The Happening are all much bigger misfires for me. I did not watch any of those films because I heard they were bad, and I try not to watch <laughs> movies that people who whose opinion I respect uh, suggest are, are not worth wasting my time on. I want to say I liked Lady in the Water, but I think I just like Paul Giamatti and the idea of John Leguizamo with one beefy arm. <laughs> so. I, uh, I've, I've seen The Village and The Happening, and I, I, The Village, as I recall, The Village would probably be okay, but for the twist, uh, which is somewhat superfluous. Uh, and The Happening is just a, a trash heap. It's <laughs> one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Oh, dear. I liked, I remember liking Lady in the Water, but I feel like it might be kind of like you and Signs, like where I saw it when it first came out and was like, that was it. I was entertained and never really thought too hard about it. But again, John Leguizamo has one, he, he's just lifting weights with one arm, so he's got one big beefy trogdor arm and it's <laughs> weird and funny. <laughs> <clears throat> 
Mark Joet says aliens that are killed by water go to the planet covered in water where water randomly drops from the sky in order to presumably hassle the inhabitants who are mostly made of water. This plan somehow does not work out for them. <laughs> as far as uh, good ideas go, this is roughly on the level of sending a manned mission to Venus with the goal of harvesting the precious CO2 to bring back to Earth. You might as well also read Dallas's. Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, on that same vein, uh, we, we obviously saved the water comments because everyone had their thoughts, but Dallas says, why did the aliens not do their research before coming to a water planet that they're all allergic to? <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, so the water thing is seems dumb, and I had heard about that before I saw this movie. Uh, on one hand, I agree. Uh, on the other hand, it, it's yeah. it's kind of the much maligned plot point of this movie. Now, I, I have two thoughts about this. The first is I kind of get where he's going with this. You you had mentioned earlier, Liam, that this is very uh, War of the Worlds being used as mm -hmm. a framework for something else, and. I think M Knight was kind of trying to do the war of the worlds ending where the aliens get undone because they didn't think that the microorganisms on earth might not work well with them and get like the common cold wipes out the alien invaders. Spoiler alert for a hundred year old story. Um, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, and I, I feel like that's what he was going with. Here's something innocuous turns out to be their Achilles heel. Um, I think there's an easy fix for it. If you just it, like, I don't know how you'd necessarily tie it in, but if it's clear that like salt water is fine, but fresh water is poison to them, maybe like, I don't know, because then uh, you wouldn't think about fresh water because half the 75% uh, of the planet's covered in salty water. It's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I mean, if, if you start ex extrapolating it, it's like, well, why did they come naked? Yeah. <laughs> down to, to, to a planet, planet to a planet, which is full of things that are caustic poison to them. Hey, yeah. And if they're harvesting humans, are they like, I mean, I guess, yeah, harvesting poison. Like, I mean, we're, they... yeah, we're 70% water. Well, and <laughs> one of Greg's fixes was that they're harvesting human bodies, maybe to, uh, to live on this planet, which is otherwise poisonous to them. Maybe that's the reason they're harvesting human bodies. Oh, I mean, but again, we, easy fix. They could have just mentioned that and that would have been, it makes sense now. We harvest lots of things that are not good for us, oh, right? Like, we eat like, a lot of things that are not good <laughs> yeah, for us. Yeah, like it's not it's not un, uh, unrealistic that you know they you know maybe you know you get rid of the water and then it's fine. You know, all that fleshy yeah, carbon that, that we do have. doesn't burn my flesh. <laughs> <laughs> Flix X rayed comments. Okay, so I have a theory about this movie that it's not actually about aliens, but actually about demons. They're not allergic to water, but cannot touch it because it's holy water because the well has been blessed <laughs> oh so they're not I mean, necessarily poisoned to water everywhere they're just poisoned to the water at his farm yeah, yeah. except that I it's mean, mentioned I, I mean i buy that they they look kind of demon like except that it's mentioned that uh the aliens mysteriously just packed up and left all of a sudden as though then got like scared off and the implication is it's because they were like oh it rained on some of us and we died <laughs> we should probably get out of here this planet is made of poison oh i mean maybe uh maybe someone blessed the clouds that's all it takes <laughs> pope just blessed the whole world and it counts yeah <laughs> tech says oh dear the one i liked have the sun narrate the beginning end and a few key moments and have the daughter be a little younger and more animated and realistic at the end have her voice show up to question him as if to suggest the movie was him telling her a story all the characters are muted and underplayed because that's how he is she's the exception because she's projecting herself into the story she was too young to remember the real events and it's left uh, ambiguous 
how much is the truth. Also, don't show the mom's death. Yeah. That's an interesting framing for the movie, actually. Yeah, Yeah, I like the framing, and I just like the note of, like, maybe don't show them. Or I guess if you're saying don't show the mom's death as part of this framing, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a much different movie, but I think that's definitely an interesting pitch. Yeah, the the fairy tale aspect of it works, and it, it the heightened reality of it being a story also like functions and and it allows for some of the um, some of the plot problems to kind of skate by, and some of the some of the dialogue problems to kind of skate by because it's a it's a dad telling his daughter a story, yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a very cool, uh, cool idea. A very a very uh, efficient and sleek fix there, Tack. Well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and thank you uh, to everyone else who commented. We really do appreciate it. Uh, Signs. That's that's our fix. You ever? Do you think you're going to ever watch this movie a, a second or third time? No, anyway? probably not. <laughs> mm, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like it's watching. Does make me want to go watch Little Miss Sunshine. Yeah, I don't know. Like the thing is, like there's so many. I have access to so many other better movies and it's not that I didn't, I didn't enjoy my rewatch, but it's just like, I just, I, I don't know. I just can't really imagine a situation where I'd be like, yeah, I got to watch signs yeah. again. <laughs> Rubbing your hands together. Like let's get some yeah, the, the movies, the movie's fine, but it's, I wouldn't say that it, I wouldn't go so far as to say it's good. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's probably a reason I've only seen it twice. So, <laughs> and one of them, because we were doing it for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Doing it for the podcast, uh, indeed. And if you can do this for our podcast, we'd appreciate it. Do what? Uh, give us a rate or a review on all those places that you listen to podcasts. Yeah, if you're worried about aliens breaking into your home to poison your children with gas, uh, you could check out It's Conspiracy, a fellow podcast on the Alberta Podcast Network. They probably talk about aliens in there. Uh, you can find that and more right now at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And in two weeks, uh, we are taking on the time-bending movie *Tenant*. Get your—you know—it's in early for that because I have a feeling there are going to be a lot of them. And uh, and we're going to yeah. read your notes forward and backward. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> if someone makes a, a what's it? What's it? When a word palindrome? Backwards. Yeah, if someone makes a palindrome Facebook comment post, great. Thank you. Here's your challenge. That'd be sweet. That's my challenge to you. <laughs> Uh, but until then, I'm your host, Liam Kreswick. I'm Scott C. Bourgeois. I'm Greg Beaver. Get your ass vaccinated. Black Lives Matter and keep watching the skies. For signs. For signs.